Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rock bondage. Rock bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Merry Christmas, Maya. Happy holidays, Vox. It is that special time again where we're going to look back at all the guests we've had this year and hear about their most favorite rope scene ever, or at least one of their favorite rope scenes. And it's one of our favorite episodes, and it is one of the most popular episodes with listeners. All right, so dear listeners, settle down. We hope you have some nice Christmas food. Eggnog. Yeah, your favorite drinks, a super comfortable chair, a couch, a bed. But not that comfortable in case they fall asleep. Okay, not too comfortable. And that you can really enjoy hearing all our guests of the year telling us about their rope scenes. And we start today with Adi from episode 113. Yeah, my I think my favorite rope scene will remain my favorite rope scene for probably the rest of my life. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, first first proper rope scene that I ever had with Barkas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that NRE thing comes into play a little bit here as well, right? Because mm-hmm. we've we've never topped it, um, never truly. We've had some real good scenes. Don't get me wrong, but this one's always going to be special. Um, so when when we met, um, tiny bit of background context. When we met. Um, I had picked Barkas up from the airport for this conference and um, had been asked to host them for a night before they had to go on to the next place. And um, yeah, they like we, we hit it off quite quickly. We ended up getting married 10 months after we met. Like we hit it hard. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, there was, it, it, it happened fast. Uh, <laughs> no regrets. It's been great. Um, yeah. So we, we, we hit it off quite quickly. Um, and this was all entirely new to me, right? Like this is my first time kind of having the attention of somebody who was internationally known, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I quite liked them and I was quite wary of the entire situation. Right. Um, I'm sure they, you know, girl in every port, right. (laughs) There must be more of me out there. Um, and it turns out no, but, uh, at at the time I was fairly wary of the whole situation. So, you know, we did the conference. Um, I ended up uh, getting tied for a couple of their classes because the person who was supposed to come with them couldn't make it. Um, and uh, then I, I hosted them for a day before they went on to the next place. And we decided we wanted to tie together. And I put down rather, you know, firm rules about, you know, no no touching of areas that are generally covered by bikinis, um, no kissing, not going to do the sexual stuff. Um, and I put those rules down largely also because I, I knew I was rather attracted to this person and I did not want to get carried away. Um, and I never, I never negotiate up in a scene, right? I'll negotiate down, but I don't add things in mid scene because I know I have this tendency to get excited or like dragged into things, right? 
um, carried away by emotions and experiences. So I, I don't, I don't negotiate up. Uh, we had a lot of sexual tension and I had just negotiated away basically all of our means of relieving that sexual tension. Mm-hmm. So we tied probably something like three hours straight without so much Whoa. as kissing. And I think it was possibly the most frustratingly erotic thing I have <laughs> ever done in my entire life. Um, they went, you know, they went off the next day to the next place. Um, still hadn't kissed. We had this sort of month-long Skype affair um, before they came back to Vancouver. And honestly, we didn't even make it to the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, uh, yeah, that that scene sticks out um, quite a bit, and I think always will. Um, I I think the circumstances were such that it it is not repeatable, and the things that have grown out of that um, has been, you know, this has been one of the best things in my life to have ever happened to me. Um, so that scene, that scene takes the cake. Hmm. Thank you so much, Addie. That is such a beautiful and deeply meaningful story to share with us. And romantic. And romantic, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm still getting a little bit squee thinking about it. <laughs> Wow, Maya, what a way to start our Christmas episode this year. I know, the origin story of Addie and Barkas. So in this story, it's much more about the partner than anything else, right? Yeah, because much like some of our other stories in the past, what Addie remembers is the connection, the sexual tension, the potential for eroticism with Barkas rather than what they actually tied. Yeah, the rope itself seems a bit secondary to that whole experience. Not uh, an end in and of itself very very clearly in this story. I also liked how she ends up self-teased by her own limits. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. Our next story is Tifereth and that is episode 122. So let's see what she has to say. This isn't so much a scene as a performance. Uh, I was in Sydney in, I want to say, December 2019. Time has no meaning anymore, thanks, pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was paired with a model that I'd never worked with before for a really cool group that had brought me in to do a workshop and then also um, headline a show called Killer Babes of Kinbaku. Uh, It was an all-female identified show, at least for the riggers. Um, And I felt so honored to be a part of it and this huge amount of pressure to do something super cool. So I, you know, had a very long Skype conversation with um, with the model that I was working with, 
uh, creeped her Instagram and saw that, you know, she's pretty bendy, was doing circus classes. And so I came up with this really cool sequence around uh, a piece of bamboo, which is something that I do pretty regularly, um, where I was going to, instead of doing my usual lashing to the, to the arms, I was going to lash it at the waist, but not in front, like I often do for torture shows, but at the back. And I was going to have her be doing these crazy back bends over the, over the piece of, of bamboo. So I get to Sydney and for various reasons, I'm already exhausted. Never mind, you know, the time change. Um, and I discovered that uh, the model that I'm working with uh, is no longer taking circus lessons and hasn't taken them for a while. And as a result, their flexibility is very different than what I'd been anticipating and sort of mentally choreographing around, which normally is not an issue, but for this particular show was a problem because I needed their hip flexors to be open enough that their knees could drop below their hips in order to sustain the balance on a back bend. It was, it was, you know, absolutely crucial. If their knees couldn't, be, couldn't dip below 90, uh, they would just flip right out of it. And so we started rehearsing and I have, I had one day to rehearse with this person and I have never had such a catastrophically bad afternoon of rehearsing everything I tried to make this sequence work or to modify it went so catastrophically and embarrassingly wrong because I was being watched the entire time by the people who'd hired me. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is so terrible. And you know, the model's feeling defeated, I'm feeling defeated and exhausted. Um, and you know, finally I had to call it and I was like, okay, um, here's, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to put together a playlist of songs that are just going to be a good time. I, as the result of this, have figured out absolutely everything that will not work, which means a process <laughs> of elimination. As long as I do anything else, <laughs> it'll be fine. And they were like, yeah, cool. I trust you, which they shouldn't have, not after that rehearsal. So bless them. Um, and we identified, you know, their weird superpower, which is, was astonishingly um, a very excellent ability to dangle off of mostly just their crotch. Um, and with only knowing, um, hey, do a crotch rope thing and don't do any of the other things that you were planning on doing, um, we headed into the night of the show. And so I basically sat backstage putting uh, my Spotify playlist together um which i was trying to do myself a favor and so i just picked all songs that i knew were bangers but then also um because it was you know killer babes of kimbaku i wanted to make sure that all the songs that i was choosing were like lady power ballads so <laughs> um i put together this playlist that remi remains one of my favorites and with that in hand I get on stage in front of a crowd of about 50 people, most of whom have no idea who I am other than this random Canadian that's here to do a weekend workshop that they've seen do some strange stuff with bamboo over in Melbourne before this. Hmm. And so we open with Billie Eilish's Bad Guy, and I start doing the uh, bamboo tie that you see me use a lot. If you've seen the Prague show, you've seen that tie. We um, definitely it's, have. You know, square lashing the bamboo. 
yes. I do it a lot because it is a workhorse of a tie, and it is one of my safest bets for something that's going to be really well tolerated. Um, You know, most people that I throw that tie at are pretty okay with their life choices. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we're kind of getting into it. Bad guy's a a great tune. I know it super well, so that when I'm getting the upline on it, it is just in time for the music to slide into uh, Thelma Houston's Don't Leave Me This Way. We're getting right into the disco now um, because I love me some disco and because after that depressing rehearsal, we needed to come up. And then also because I'm a passionate lover of kitsch and a passionate lover of things in poor taste, I love picking songs that are just a little tongue-in-cheek. So Don't Leave Me This Way it became a dead hang from the back of this tie. And I wish I could tell you more about what I put on the rest of her, but it was um, basically just haphazardly slapped on and tied over and removed and half removed and tied into other things. Um, don't really want to call them harnesses because they're not har- they weren't harnesses. I don't even know what I did. It was unrecognizable. But uh, we worked our way through Irene Cara's "What a Feeling," um, got into uh, you keep me hanging on, which is when we got into <laughs> some heavy crotch torture. So I am, I am like slinging this girl between three points across the stage from point to point to point doing, you know, that big switchback change that happens in the prog show. I was like, if I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm just going to lean heavily on those because they look cool. And half this audience is completely <laughs> vanilla and has no idea what they're looking at. So at least it'll be fast and flippy. And so we're basically alternating between like, Horrible crotch stuff. Sling you across the stage into something cool. Horrible crotch <laughs> stuff. Sling you to the other side of the stage. And we're going back and forth. We're at, you know, you, at the Supremes, you keep me hanging on. We get into some Patti Smith because the night. Great track. We're really feeling it. The crowd is really vibing with it. And, you know, we're getting into some more mellow, slow burn stuff. You know, she's getting tired. I'm getting tired. And we're sort of like, I am conscious of the fact that I, I was supposed to fill 45 minutes, so I've got about five more songs. Uh, we get into Fleetwood Mac's Dreams, and I'm getting her into these, you know, beautiful, soft, gentle inversions. The tone's going from, like, watch me annihilate your clit <laughs> to, like, watch me lovingly caress you as I, you know, work you into very impressive torsions. Um, and we start, you know, working not down but into the general down direction. And um, for non-blondes, what's up is next, which is, you know, uh, you know, I wake in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream at the top of my lungs, what's going on? That song. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I love this song so much. It is so near and dear to my heart that I'm kind of, you know, half mumbling along with it. And, you know, just at this point, having a great time because um, all attempts at choreography has gone out the window. I'm just doing things to songs I love with an audience that is really feeling it. And people start to sing Hmm. and they start singing along and we start approaching, you know, the first chorus and the singing's getting louder. And I'm like, I'm going to lean into this. So I'm kind of like looking at the audience and starting to sing a little louder myself, giving them basically permission to like, yo, we're going to karaoke this bitch all the way to the ground. (laughs) Uh, And the whole audience gets on their feet 
and they start screen singing the lyrics and they start wa- they take out their phones and they start waving them like at a concert <laughs> like you would with lighters incredible and i have this moment of realization of oh my god i need to end the show <laughs> at the last moment of this song because if another song cannot happen after this you this can't is it. this is when the show needs to end you can't top that it's not going to get any better it will only ruin it so i have to fly so i get so i am ripping ropes off of this person slinging them around trying to get their legs free and i'm like if i can just get their legs free and all the lines down it doesn't matter if they're still attached to the bamboo as long as they can bow and at the very last note of that song the last line comes off i get her standing and bows right on the note the audience erupts like screaming cheering waving <laughs> they're looking shell-shocked i'm looking i imagine a little bit shell-shocked because i a, can't believe i survived that after that horrible rehearsal gone wrong b can't can't believe i dangled a human being off of their own badge for that long that's not not gonna be good for the bits but they seemed really happy about it and i can't believe that i got an audience karaokeing along and i was thinking to myself you know oh my god of all the shows to make sure that you know i videoed i'm so glad i've got a professional videography crew here they filmed it's gonna be amazing you know i'm high-fiving everyone on the way out i'm on cloud nine best show of my life and i hear back from the videography crew and they're like yeah it was it was it was too dark we we didn't test the lights we can't see anything i was like do you at least have the sound and like oh well we dubbed over it to make sure so I have a grainy black and white video <laughs> with sound dubbed over so you can't hear that the audience was doing something incredible. And so this show and this scene and this performance gets to live in my head and live in the head of the 50 people who were in that room who, whenever I see them, still occasionally bring, you know, or whenever I talk to them, still occasionally bring it up. Um as like just the coolest moment that nobody beyond that room will ever get to see. Um, and I'm, I kind of love it for that because it's just, it's, it's this little special nugget of awesome that I will likely never replicate because quite honestly, when do you get a room full of eager drunk Australians <laughs> in a room with you um, absolutely winging it to your favorite music? How often do you get to do that? <laughs> so that's, that's my favorite scene, show, performance thing I've done. Incredible and amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing it with us, Tiff. And now it will live in the uh, the minds of the podcast. The collective memory well. of all of your yeah. listeners. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I have nothing to show of it. <laughs> You'll just have to imagine. Wow, Maya, that is a story worthy of a Netflix documentary. She is so vivid in the way she describes it. It's as if we were there quite the narrator and it got all the pieces like the stress at the start or will there be time or everything's going wrong how are we gonna pull through and then the crowning moment of awesome at the end roll credits yeah the hero moment right there no it's beautiful (laughs) 
I very much recommend people listen to her interviews, as we recommend all of them on this uh, episode, because it's just as vivid and engaging. But what a great, what a great story. And it did have the rope in. I love that she can remember her rope. She remembers the music. Every single song. Yeah, which is gorgeous. And it has this quality also of being an ephemeral moment with no record. So like this precious, short-lived thing. And that's so many of rope scenes for everyone. Like those moments we have no record of except in our memories. Mm. No, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. All right. So what is next? Moving on, we are listening to Marceline VQ from episode 120. Yeah, so there have been so many of them, uh, so it's hard to choose, but I think it has to be something with my partner, Anya Demure. Um, and I remember a time that we were uh, in a rope share in the home of our friend Boshai, and uh, we were sort of just in the corner doing our own thing. And I remember there was another group, um, there was another scene going on in the middle of the room, uh, and this was a very connective sort of Semenawa scene uh, that was very emotionally intense. And I, Anya and I were just in the corner, um, like making jokes to each other the whole time. Um, so uh, so we were doing um, some really interesting, like mildly webby stuff, but, but we were sort of tying between two posts against a wall. So we had very limited space. And I remember it was fun to play around with the limitations of that. Um, but we were also uh, like in the midst of this very emotionally charged, heavy scene happening right next to us. We were kind of whispering to each other um, vine references and like just little stupid inside jokes. And that's um, that's sort of the energy we go for in our scenes. <laughs> really goes to show Maya that there's a lot of variety to what stays with us about rope. Yeah, I think it really shows the diversity and such a contrast to the different types of stories. Hmm. Okay, moving on, our last story for this first half of the Christmas episode is Renee Robin, and that was episode 125. Let's listen to her story. Uh, to be honest, watching Ardent Ascending tie, self-tie for the first time was just awesome. I mean, it was it was so beautiful and she did the whole set blindfolded and I mean it was it was just like watching aerial ballet and I did not know that rope could look like that and move like that I mean my experience up until then had been very stationary and you know not a very fluid experience and watching her self-tie was just it was like watching water flow it was just beautiful can you tell us a bit what kind of rope she was doing uh, I mean, <laughs> she the first time that I photographed her self-tying, I mean, she just did a single tie off of her thigh, um, and she did a, her own chest harness and everything, and then she had, um, you know, just, uh, she just had, like, an extra piece of rope that she would just move and spin and twirl around, and, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe, and that was what I love so much about it. I mean, I have some of the images up on my website. You'll see a, a girl with, uh, you know, light pink slash white underwear and a little blindfold on. And, I mean, there's a freedom to it there. There's this, this like, energy that I don't normally see in, in rope that, that way before. And, yeah, it was just, 
it's hard to describe and i think maybe i should have picked a better better one to choose but <laughs> no it sounds beautiful sounds beautiful yeah, we'll try was... and search her out on your website and link yeah. yeah well i can i can also send you the the image with this as well that's not a problem um and then probably the next one from there is we we did a hip harness on a girl and uh you know these like long ballet boots on her and i i love ballet boots i used mm. to dance ballet and i i just love ballet boots and but we also tied this big ass heavy rock to her ankles and folded her in half the wrong way around and then we spun her <laughs> <laughs> and she has really long hair and it was flying all over the place and you know it was just this really awesome dichotomy of like there's no way this doesn't hurt like hell <laughs> <laughs> um but you know there's this very like peaceful serene expression on her face and the hair everywhere and it was just it was just awesome i mean i love it when rope surprises me and how the body is interacting with it you know it there's there's this special little thing that can happen where you know everything seems to come alive in a way that i didn't expect and i think those are my favorite moments thank you so much renee for sharing that with us well thank you for asking <laughs> unsurprisingly maya renee who is a visual artist chose a very visual scene as her favorite Yeah, it's really interesting to hear from a photographer um, observer's eye watching. Hmm. There's just so much in different dimensions of rope and different ways to experience and appreciate it, right? Yeah, and I love hearing about that introduction to a new rope possibility. So, you know, you, you think of rope as one thing and then you see a new thing and you think, wow, there's a whole dimension to this uh, that I never considered. And I think you and I still feel that as we go through, which is, makes rope such a beautiful um, discipline to play with. Yeah, that's amazing. So Maya, that was our first four guests of the year. And next week, just before New Year's Eve, we have part two of our Christmas special. And we will hear about our four other guests of the year. Looking forward to it. So dear listeners, I hope you really enjoy Christmas time. You have great food, great celebrations. And we will see you again in just a week for the second part. Happy holidays. So that's all from us at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.